Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust, a podcast for digital transformation leaders where we discuss the latest cyber attack issues, enterprise security strategies, and current security events so that you can successfully accelerate network and security transformation. And now here's what's on our mind this week. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. I'm so glad you joined us again. So today I'm gonna actually welcome back Martin Ditchburn, our Director of Transformation Strategy here at Zscaler for the MIA region. He actually spoke to Lisa Lorenzen and I know some of you may remember my dear friend, Lisa, who is off retired and enjoying life. We talked to Martin about a year ago or so, and I'm and Martin, I'm so happy to have you back again. Thanks, Pam. It's great to be back. You know, I think there's one thing for certain. 2023 is going to be a very interesting year for IT and business strategy in general. Absolutely. I can't believe 2022 is gone. For all of our listeners who didn't actually hear the episode um, about a year or so ago, Martin has over 15 years. I almost said 115 years, Martin. I swear to goodness. <laughs> I look like it. No. <laughs> no, you're young. Has over 15 years experience in enterprise IT and experience leading cloud and infrastructure for actually a Fortune 100 company. And his specialties were cloud transformation, managing complex networks, mergers, acquisitions, and, and other related domains and so forth. But with that, you know, Martin, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing here at Zscalers for those listeners who maybe didn't catch the last last episode? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so my role here really at Zscaler is to you know, help customers, prospects understand you know, how to solve business challenges through the use of technology. So using all of that experience you mentioned to become that trusted advisor, if you will. And, you know, zero trust is, you know, one of those buzzwords that, you know, I really helped demystify, add some color, really what that means to organizations and how it can be used to gain that competitive advantage and, you know, remove some of that complexity. And I think it would be fair to say that we're, we're now starting to move beyond the challenges brought about by COVID. And whilst, you know, some of those challenges still remain, that there are really new forces starting to emerge in terms of priority. And, you know, most notably, some of those are around the economic downturns, which, of course, have been made more acute by the energy crisis, particularly in Europe, as well as some of those geopolitical instabilities in places such as Ukraine. You know, Martin, you touch on some um, some interesting events that are happening one of the things that a lot of our listeners, uh, we talk a lot about what's happening in the U.S., the economy and so forth, but we haven't talked a lot about what's happening relative to maybe the European economy and the economics relative to zero trust in maybe the European region. How are you seeing some of those things affect possibly, number one, well, we all know it's affecting the world's economy, but how are you seeing it affect potentially companies when they're thinking about zero trust? Yeah, I think in the boardroom, you know, there really seems to be, uh, in my opinion, uh, an emerging split in terms of the, the topics that are being discussed. And of course, there's the traditional message, you know, one that's very much a security play focused around data protection, data loss, and levels of detection. Uh, and this has really been heightened, you know, to a much greater awareness due to the state, the items of the news around sponsored state hacking. And of course, these themes haven't gone away. And of course, there's always the, the evolving data protection laws and regulatory compliance that's really continuously changing and acting as a driver in that space. But at the moment, I'm seeing more and more organizations start to use it as a means of gaining back competitive advantage and becoming a lot leaner. Using zero trust network architectures as a particular example, combined with this new remote workforce that we seem to have inherited on the back of COVID starts to drive an agenda more around cost savings, removing that complexity, such as reshaping the office, as an example, 
but also companies are starting to give more focus to their strengths and rationalize their portfolios. And this is really leading to more mergers and acquisitions and, of course, for some, divestitures as well. Touching on the GDPR, I will speak for myself, Martin. By no means are we experts on GDPR. That is, to me, very complex with the work councils, country by country, and so forth like that. And I just want to just touch on it because, to be fair, we have very smart people who deal with GDPR on a daily basis, work councils and so forth here at Zscaler. So if you ever have a question relative to zero trust, GDPR, works councils, all of that, please do reach out because we can make sure that you are you are tapped into the right resources here at Zscaler to kind of talk through some of those uniquenesses that quite frankly, other countries don't have in the world. So I just want to put that plug in there. So, so Martin, when you're talking to this to a C-level executive or potentially a board member, is there something that you may touch on relative to zero trust that could possibly be different than a different region in the world, or is it still the same conversations you you you're having in Europe relative to zero trust? but taking into account the uniquenesses of GDPR and, and being able to still keep pursuing zero trust relative to still having to adjust for GDPR? Yeah, I think it's a really great question. And I, I, I think in the topics of zero trust and particularly the awareness and adoption of it, I would say that things aren't equal you know, in Europe compared to the rest of the world. And some of those reasons are that you know, there are 44 countries in the European continent, so over 200 languages are spoken across them. And I think it would be fair to say that those differences in culture and variance in data handling laws in particular means there are a lot of variances in respect to the priority and maturity of that zero trust message. Um, you know, and when you look at the 27 countries in particular that make up the European, European Union, you know, this represents perhaps the largest common interest you know, in respect to law and free trade and international agreements in the European region. And even there, there isn't consensus yet. You know, there is legislation still to be ratified in the EU. And this, of course, means that companies aren't yet being compelled to give that zero trust um, message the right attention. But I really do believe that things are starting to come and you know, really starting to change. And it feels very reminiscent to how Europe really started its cloud journey and how that evolved in the EU, you know, with existing laws and frameworks needing to be evolved a little bit in order to allow you know, those changes to unfold as, as they need to in each respective country. Um, but, you know, as history sort of tells us, acceleration after that point is usually pretty quick. For listeners out there who are part of a multinational organization, and maybe maybe the HQ is in the United States, um, because I know I, I'm sure most of um, those in Europe understand how to work within those those various countries relative to the various regulations. But what is some advice to a multinational headquartered in the U.S. and someone that has to go ahead and look at zero trust across an entire multinational landscape, all regions of the world, what advice would you give them? For me, it's always about thinking global, but implementing local. So, of course, we all have the aspiration to raise the bar in terms of you know, the quality of data protection and that sort of security you know, message, you know, irrespective of where we are in the world. But of course, there are local laws. There are local cultural issues such as worker councils and uh, you know, specific data protection laws in you know, particular areas that do complicate matters. So that is always kind of the last mile, the, the hardest thing to kind of overcome. But you know, generally, and I think broadly, companies understand that um, you know, data is still an incredibly important topic. Um, you know, I think some of those those you know those 
most notable frameworks such as GDPR uh, are starting to become much more well understood, but how they apply at the local level is still a little bit uh, unclear and there's a lot more uh, work required to define those in detail. Which is so important about finding that right partner that has experience in providing zero trust technology platforms and then also working through um, the local regulatory requirements of those countries. So you you see really, you, you have views into really zero trust from a global perspective. Although here at Zscaler, we, we have our, our regions of responsibility. Would you say though that you see that Europe and the, the US are kind of equal in terms of, of an adoption of zero trust? In adoption, I mean, number one, I think the globe is thinking zero trust, right? Every region of the world is thinking about zero trust, talking about zero trust, but are they actually adopting it? Are they moving towards it? Are they figuring out how to do this? They certainly are. And I I think the drivers might be different. You know, whilst we've already touched a little bit on regulatory compliance and the laws, you know, zero trust architecture, as you know, is is a real accelerator for a lot of businesses. The idea of fast to acquire and integrate in terms of mergers and acquisitions, new ways of dealing with B2B by consuming new identity, uh, accelerating cloud adoption. You know, they're all topics that go beyond, you know, regulatory frameworks and really speak to the heart about being more agile, being faster in the market, responding to your customers better. And I think every company, irrespective of where you are, you know, won't, won't say no to a better business and a, you know, a happier customer set. And when you're having these conversations with prospects or, or current customers, do you find that there's a lot of conversation relative to their adoption being slowed because of potentially, you know, inflation or the war going on? You know, are there other factors that are slowing people down, or are they, or are they actually you seeing the opposite, irrelevant of those things? They they're you know on their journey and they're eager and trying to achieve zero trust quicker than we may have expected? Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, what I'm seeing is that there's a lot more scrutiny being made in boardrooms at the moment with with respect to making those investments. Um, But I don't think this really changed the appetite or desire, you know, to to abandon the zero trust strategy. I think a lot of organizations are embracing the strategy. uh, And it's certainly driving, um, you know, that, that additional investment that's required is sometimes driving assets to be sweated a little bit longer, maximizing existing, you know, current partnerships, you know, which really results in a, a bit of a slowdown in the investment decision. Um, you know, so economic factors really are huge uh, in, in making this decision in the boardroom. But certainly the desire hasn't gone away. Um, you know, the need to service their customers hasn't gone away. You know, so whilst that investment is being scrutinized harder than ever before, there are companies that are really using it as a springboard to make themselves more, um, you know, more competitive in the market, you know, to the benefit of themselves and, of course, their customers. I don't think anyone can complain by being leaner and more agile by removing some of that complexity and adopting that platform play approach. Well, and I think you touched on it. Um, you know, the platform approach, I think if you pick the right partner, what I've what I've been able to witness and experience myself, and, and I know not speaking for you, but, you know, we've talked about this, being able to select a platform and a partner that you can actually implement tactically 
and be able to let those depreciation cycles run out on certain pieces of existing solutions as you're, you're tactically implementing a platform is really, really key. And I found that in my, in my experience where I can start to receive those, you know, benefits of the savings to be able to redirect the money and or find savings with redirecting the money. So I think it's key for people to think about, you know, a platform gives you if you've picking if you've chosen the right platform, it gives you a lot of flexibility relative to how you can actually deploy zero trust. It does. And I think the savings you mentioned, you know, are key to reinvesting into the parts of the business that make it go. Like I said, I think we'd like to be all spending money on, you know, new compelling products for our customers that, you know, uh, give them new features and, you know, a level of delight they didn't have before and spending much less on managing IT tools. So, Martin, in your time here at Zscaler, you have really contributed to um, some phenomenal thought leadership. And, And for some of you who may not know, Zscaler has created a CXO Revolutionaries um, site. And in this site is phenomenal thought leadership, whether they're podcasts or articles. You can also hear comments and and, um, contributions from various leaders throughout the industry and not just Zscaler. And so it's a phenomenal place to go in and understand what others are thinking about at a, a CXO level. And Martin, in some of the articles, you know, uh, just to mention a couple, uh, but, you know, you have the string cheese theory of zero trust and learning not to step on Legos, the blast radius, crowd sprawl, and CNAP. If you had to sum up um, some of the key points you made um, along the way in in these articles and and the overarching stance on cloud computing and cybersecurity, what would that look like? Yeah, I I think generally, if you're going to embrace it, embrace it. Um, you know, there's no point replicating what you have on-premise today in the cloud because you're really just simply replicating those same problems and moving them to the cloud. And then, of course, you're adding on top those additional complexities into the mix. So I think my message is be bold, you know, stick with the good intentions you started with, you know, at the start of the journey. Uh, and I think the reality is that any great strategy aims to consolidate and reduce complexity. You know, as organizations grow, um, you know, there's a huge amount of sprawl as they start to become large companies. And really, you know, the aim to become more nimble and regain some agility and lean operating that gives you that competitive advantage is something that companies are really starting to seek out again, you know, trying to replicate their success from you know, their younger days. And I think, you know, to an earlier point, adopting that platform play approach is really what you need to do. You know, point solutions just solve, that's just solve one or two you know, issues really just adding to that complexity and sprawl. What you really want to do is use those cloud principles of scale and capabilities when you need them to avoid having those multiple tools and those similar overlapping capabilities. And, you know, like I said, I I would much rather spend my money on making sure my customers were well served rather than spend that money on, you know, managing IT tools. So you, you touched on an interesting point, strategy. Some organizations get caught up on what strategy means. In my former role, and I'd be interested to hear, Martin, what your thoughts are. In my former role, strategy to us was a direction we wanted to move in, like zero trust. It was really then taking that strategy and finding out what was the platform or the the components that were going to allow us to deliver on a strategy. 
And some, I think, do get caught up on the fact and they lose sight of what was the original strategy when they start to get in the depths and understanding what a technology can do. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think knowing your why and staying true to your why is a, is a very important part of any strategy. And it's interesting when I frame to organizations or even when I articulated it in my, in my own company previously, I never framed it as a zero trust strategy. It was a number of steps that solved real business challenges that helped the organization grow. And of course, out of that became you know, this strategy. So we always knew what our North Star was going to be. And we just worked in increments, you know, solving those individual you know, uh, problems as they come, always knowing that we were heading in the direction that we set out at the beginning. And that gave us you know, this incremental progress towards the strategy that we set. And I think the other piece of this, and I love the North Star, sometimes your journey to the North Star will be a little jagged, right? Because there are things you're going to have to work through to get to the North Star. But don't you, your point is really key. Don't stop. Keep, keep that focus. What is your North Star? Why are you doing this? And keep moving and figuring out how to get there. And earlier this year, Martin, when you were you were on the show, you actually shared your whole zero trust journey at when you were pre previously at Informa. Um, you were there fourteen years and before you joined Zscaler. And and how have you seen adoption of zero trust over the last year or so resemble your path with others, or are you seeing others have a difference in approaching zero trust than what you had previously done? Yeah, I, I would actually say it's very different. And then a lot of that depends on the industry you're in and the geography you happen to be operating. And I think it'd be fair to say, though, that there really are some common themes, you know, how you manage and secure your users, you know, how you manage and secure your workloads, and of course, how you then deal with, you know, those complex IoT, OT topics. Um, you know, organizations I've worked with, you know, are using that zero trust architecture across a range of use cases in very different orders. You know, for me, the main driver at the time was all about scale, you know, fast, complete mergers and acquisitions, you know. And at the present time, I see organizations focusing a little bit more on reducing that complexity, casting off those complex networks, and of course, focusing on the agility and the cost savings aspect, of course, driven by the economic factors that we find ourselves in. Uh, and of course, you know, COVID, you know, meant for a lot of people over the last few years, you know, a lot of focus was on the, you know, getting the workforce working remotely and of course, ensuring that great experience. Um, and really what they did is they gave a lot of the organizations who took the zero trust approach to solving that problem, a really great springboard for what kind of came next. Um, and really beyond that, you know, that go forward position is about choosing your path and solving those business challenges for what's right for you, you know, coming next. You know, for example, I worked with a company just this week and their focus was all about securing legacy workload through segmentation. And then another one whose focus was all about dealing with B2B and making use of multiple identity sources and controlling how third parties would integrate, you know, more seamlessly into their business. Um, you know, whether that be dropping their flat networks or spending less on VDI, all of these problems can be solved, but it's about solving them in an order that makes sense for your organization and the one that gives you the most advantages. Uh, so really, you know, I don't think my overall end point is very different to other organizations, but how I got there certainly seems to be. Again, I think the North Star is where we all want to get to. And the North Star being zero trust is just to your point, how are you getting there? Because the use cases for many are the same. 
It's just what is a uniqueness of that use case for that actual company and or to your point, what is the order they're going to do it in? I, I completely agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, you know, what's right for one, you know, is not right for another. And I think, you know, as you say, that North Star has to transcend all of those things. And, um, you know, the companies that really do it well stay true to the why. And then as, cha- you know, factors change throughout the globe and those those whys, whether it be economic or geopolitical or, you know, anything else, you know, it's just a different tactic along the way. And, you know, I think we have to just call out, and, and I try to do this often, is that making sure an organization has a foundational agreement on what zero trust, that potential North Star for them, what does it mean to that organization? Not to your buddy who works for another company down the block, or you read it in some you know article sitting on a plane. Well, I guess you wouldn't read an article anymore. There's really no magazines left in the planes anymore or saw it on, a, on an advertisement. How's that? I think it's really key that you go back as leaders, go back and make sure that your entire organization understands what your definition of zero trust is, what you are going to achieve, and keep that as your North Star for your organization. And with that, Martin, I always love having you on. Thank you again so much for joining me. I hope everyone you've found this beneficial. I look forward to you joining us for another episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. And you all have a wonderful day. And thanks again, Martin. Thank you, Pam. It's great to be here. Thanks for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find Lisa Lorenzen and Pam Kubiatowski on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com or on LinkedIn. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult with your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2022.